in on this holiday feast, will you? This is Ray Anthony, and I'd like to take the opportunity to extend my very best wishes to you on this very special day.
Hi, everybody. Huvalta, happy family day. Believe it or not, there is something loading up, waiting in the wings. There we go. Ever so slowly there. Hopefully you're having a happy family day, or a very pleasant good evening, wherever you may be. It's time for Exploding Head Movies. This is your cinematically inspired group. This is your cinematically inspired program found here on Vancouver's well-destined campus community radio station, CITR. Your voice of the University of British Columbia, 101.9 FM. We broadcast at an average of 1,800 watts from the traditional, ancestral, and unceded Musqueam territory from the student nest here on West Point Gray Campus. Our signal takes us throughout the Lower Mainland and the Hunkameen-speaking Coast Salish peoples. So from Lions Bay to Bellingham, Washington, that covers the north-south axis of our amorphous blob of coverage. Then we continue west past Point Grey, dipping south across the Salish Sea to all the ships and creatures in the water of our friends over at CFUV, representing the University of Victoria, aren't overlapping since we do share the same frequency. CITR signal then heads east past Langley, deep into the Fraser Valley, though CIVL on 101.7 cuts pretty close on the dial. We also broadcast up to the sky and deep into space for as long as this planet and this station continues to emit noisy waves for all to hear. And our signal dives down well into the underground, from where we come from and from where all good things bubble up. Telus Optic subscribers can tune into CRTR on our television sets on channel 7023. At least that's the story in Western Canada. Otherwise, in all these places and everywhere else, the internet takes you. Find us on the web, www.citr.ca. There you will find the Exploding Hit Movies show page, and it will contain track listings and downloads for this episode. Only once the live broadcast is done... And you'll find most of our recent episodes going back about 10 years and then scattered throughout fragments of the website going back our entire 16-year history. You'll also find a link to subscribe to the podcast via Apple Music. We're also on Spotify, iHeart, Deezer, Geosaven, Stitcher, Spreaker, and various other services available for those times you can't listen live to the Crystal Wireless or then the Shoutcast stream through our website. My name is Gak, don't be your rugged archaeologist for the next two hours, so dig up those relics and punch some Nazis. You should have received your complimentary newly regulatory bullwhip in conjunction with the broadcast of this episode. If not, well, tie up some licorice sticks together since they kind of taste like leather after a bit of time. Phone number for the station for those who are listening live is 604-822-2487. After the area code in T9, it is UBC. C-I-T-R. Do keep it short and sweet and to the point, since this is a single-person operation here. As evidenced by the various false starts we've had so far, as we've realized that um, certain devices' batteries are failing more quickly than usual, so it's good news that I am picking up backups here and there. But you can email anytime, radiofreegack at gmail.com. Exploding Head Movies is on various social medias, but uh, Mastodon is the key one I'll mention because it is currently not blocking the station as part of various corporations not wanting paid Canadian media for basically taking a lot of traffic there. But yeah, Mastodon, 100 A-I-R-E. 
at mas.to. So for a good chunk of Canada, it is Family Day in Manitoba. It is Louis Riel Day. There are all other holidays throughout Canada, although there are three regionalities that aren't marking the day. So it's a relatively new tradition here in the country. In the U.S., they have President's Day. To show you how long in the beard I am, I remember a time when Washington and Lincoln had separate days for their birthdays. They were six days apart, turned into a single holiday. And you'll still find people grumbling about it, but... Uh, that's the real reason we heard Ray Anthony at the top of the show keeping his greeting kind of vague. It is a holiday. It's not the same holiday for some of us. But for a good chunk of folks, at least it is time off. After we heard from Ray Anthony, then we heard Lol Tolhurst, Budgie, and Jackknife leave with the title track to last year's album, Los Angeles. Fascinating collection of artists that you don't necessarily associate with side projects, mostly because they're drummers. So Tolhurst, best known as being a drummer for The Cure. Budgie, same thing, rocking the skins for Susie and the Banshees. And uh, both had worked recently on the post-punk-related podcast called Curious Creatures. And originally to create a three tenors, except with drums, maybe three tom-toms or something like that, Originally, Kevin Haskins, drummer for Bauhaus, was part of things, but in the midst of rehearsals and coming up with music, it wasn't gelling together, and he had left to go touring. So, Jack Knifley is a producer, a neighbor as well, two of them, and offered to help out. And guests on the album include, who we heard on the title track, James Murphy from LCD Sound System. But you also have Bobby Gillespie from Primal Scream, The Edge from U2, since Jack Knifley's done recent production with the Irish Act. Modest Mouse's Isaac Brock, the harpist Mary Lattimore, and various more. It's a fascinating project. And percussive, as you expect. In the background, this is Biliana Vuchkova performing a Phil Nyblock piece written for her. It's called Biliana. I found off 2023's album Looking for Daniel. Vuchkova. Excellent avant-garde string player deploying some wonderful loops here as for Nyblock he was a composer filmmaker and videographer born in Anderson Indiana originally a photographer but he got into music when he was inspired after he was riding his bike behind a slow-moving diesel truck in the Caroline Mountains I was entranced by the nearly synchronized beats of both engines he was also inspired by the 1960s New York City avant-garde scene with acts like Morton Feldman. He had collaborated with folks like Lee Ronaldo and Thurston Moore separately from Sonic Youth. Dave Soldier with someone we'll actually talk about later on with a fun collaboration later on in the show, and then various others. As for his films, the most famous one was a series called The Movement of People Working, which involved traveling to different countries to observe labor patterns, and of course, how people get to and from work. Phil Nyblock passed away on January 8th this year from heart failure, and he was 90 years old. So it's part four of our annual Academy Award profiles. Since it will be less than three weeks' time now, as I mentally try to do the math right now of the dates, with February being a short month, on Sunday, March 10th, the Oscars will be handed out. 
So we still got a few more weeks to look over the best original score nominees. The past three weeks, we listened to two of them. We heard Jerskin Fendrix's nominated score from Poor Things, and then Laura Cartman's from American Fiction. And then for our Fun Drive episode, we looked at the best original song nominees from Barbie, American Symphony, Killers of the Flower Moon, and Flamin' Hot. So, in the coming weeks, we have two scores left to profile, but we've actually talked about them before. That's Killers of the Flower Moon and Oppenheimer. So, we'll dig into some cues I didn't share from previous times. For this week, it's going to be John Williams, a legend in modern film score. And for his 54th Oscar nomination, his music from Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny is going to be part of our profile. Williams is 92 years old. For a while, we thought this would be his final score. Although it's interesting to note that there's currently nothing else lined up in pre-production involving him. And in honor of his return to Indiana Jones, we'll almost run the full series about the archaeologist adventure. We're going to hear so much Indiana, you can hear the corn grow and the graves rise. So, we'll hear a little bit from Raiders of the Lost Ark, I mean the main cue, but we'll focus on ones we haven't listened to before, and that includes from the Temple of Doom, the Last Crusade, and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Speaking of fun drive... Many of you said yes to CITR as part of our recent fundraising campaign. As an updated total, $18,154.13. So, I know these are treacherous times. Wallets are stretched thin. So, thank you to everyone who donated to the station during this important time of the year. I'll talk about the show-specific donors in time. I know a few, but in the name of completeness... I await the full list. And if you didn't get a chance to donate to CITR's fund drive yet, if you go to citr.ca, you'll see a donate button. Or the URL is simply www.donate.to.citr.ca. This episode, in the usual tumult of creation, and of course in deployment, I uh, was mostly made on the road since I was in Winnipeg and Thunder Bay for a good chunk of last week, so you can hear a little bit of the rust develop here as the jet lag is still in place. Uh, thankfully, most of the errors so far, aside from when devices fail, are mostly typos, so hopefully I'm saying everything right. But uh, we'll kick off, as we usually do, with some recent deaths, similar to what we've been doing with the Phil Nyblock here, but um, mostly aligning with Black History Month, as is every February. The backlog of tributes for other folks awaits. But for now, we'll start off with Cool and the Gang. They're down to one original member, and that is the Cool, Robert Cool Bell, since the original drummer, George Funky Brown, passed away. He also played keyboards, percussion, backing vocals, left us on November 16th last year at the age of 74. He'd been suffering from lung cancer. And just to kick things up a bit, we're going to go with the title track from 1979's Ladies' Night. This will be cool in the gang. You're now listening to Exploding Head Movies, broadcasting live from the realms of Studio A, the radio station that knows that families can be fun and dysfunctional. This is CITR, 101.9 FM, Vancouver.
go, baby. Mm, sophisticated mama. Come on, you disco lady. Yeah, stay with me tonight, mama. Yeah. Emergy Live is happy to present Anomaly with his live band at the Wise Hall on Saturday, February 24th, with support from Blue Wednesday. Anomaly has toured his electro jazz project all over the world, but this February, the Montreal based artist embarks on a full Canadian tour for the very first time. Come out to experience the innovative fusion of electronic beats, jazz harmonies, and funky grooves from the one and only Anomaly, live in concert with his band. Don't miss Anomaly at the Wise Hall in Vancouver on February 24th, 2024. Tickets are on sale now at admit1.com. Do it. 
Going back to 1975 from their album, The Heat Is On. That was the Isley Brothers with Fight the Power. At least part one, part two. I was going to just continue on with a great funky break, as it were. Since, yeah, a lot of the singles that came out in the 70s associated with the funk scene. On the seven inches, first side basically had the core power of the song. Second had all the wonderful breaks. And behind me, a cover of the Isley Brothers, It's Your Thing. And this is off a 1969 single. Also appears on a compilation called What It Is. Isley Brothers, they were brothers indeed. And the band originally formed in the 50s. So it just shows you the scope of how long they've been around for. Alas, Rudolph Isley... One of the singers passed away on October 11th last year from an apparent heart attack at the age of 84. So, last original member left is his brother Ronald. And it looks like a younger Isley is helping out as part of current activities. So, yes, many other recent deaths have to be talked about, and they're joining a bit of a macabre backlog here, exploding headquarters. So, hoping to address that properly over the coming weeks, though. Regular listeners may expect some sort of new segment that just tries to recap what's going on, even though it seems kind of dark, especially when you don't get to share the music at all. Now, there's a couple acts here that are going on hiatus, and this first one actually seems like it's going to be the end of all things, but never say never when it comes to it, and that will be the Tokyo Police Club. Originally from Southern Ontario, but based in Toronto. They announced recently that uh, it's time to say farewell. To everything there is a season, and for them the time is right to finally put the van in park, which they indicate on their website is actually a metaphor since their actual van stopped working a long time ago. So They'll celebrate, and this will be many months from now, so if you are in Toronto from November 26th to the 29th, Tokyo Police Club will play four final shows. If you go to their website, you can see the dates and how to get tickets through Ticketmaster. Most recent album was TPC, but we'll go back to Champ. Although it came out as a 10th anniversary edition a couple years ago. Here's Tokyo Police Club. Not late yet, but it's getting late still. Here they are with Bambi.
Canadian arts and culture organizations. Student work placement program at the Cultural Human Resources Council is able to provide wage subsidies for post-secondary level students to work for you. A two-minute phone call to confirm your eligibility, 20 minutes to complete the online application, and you'll secure thousands of dollars in less than two weeks. If you hired, currently employ, or would like to hire students, we want to hear from you. Find our contact info at culturalhrc.ca. Yeah.
Boy Genius off their Grammy-winning album, 2023's The Record That Was Not Strong Enough. After a busy 2023, the main news right now is that Boy Genius, the supergroup that is Julian Baker, Phoebe Bridgers, and Lucy Duck is taking a break. I know Phoebe Bridgers totally is, as she's announced in the news that she needs to step back a little bit from the many years of music, whether it's with Boy Genius, solo works, or other collaborations. So, well-deserved break. And, of course, a lot of creative arts need downtime to actually generate it. And in the background, this is the Bill McBurney Trio off of, of the 2013 album Find Your Place. This is Yes, Indeed. Bill McBurney, you can hear on the flute. He's a Toronto flautist in jazz and Latin styles. He's joined by Bernie Sinensky on the Hammond B3 and Anthony Mitchell on drums. My name is Gak. The name of the show is Exploding Hand Movies. This is CITR 101.9 FM in Vancouver. And let's talk about some of the soundtracks that are available for purchase, download, or streaming this week. We'll keep it short. I know that I've been overwhelming folks with some of the long lists here, so we'll try to prune that down going forward to fit into what's happening. But do note, a good many of these may be out already since uh, records can come out anytime now. It's no longer a Tuesday or a Friday. It's 24-7, which means the mailbox. So see where the radio show is always full with whatever's going on, no matter why you check it. But yes... Do check with either your favorite record store or where you find your music online to understand the latest with these soundtracks. And this list comes from the websites filmmusicreporter.com and soundtrack.net. On the new release front, Frederick Viedman's music from Bring Him To Me. It's coming out through Kaleido Sound. Cold Meat, it's scored by Cyril Morin. That's coming through Edition Musicale Francois. Going over to Italy, Andrea Fari is music from Dieci Minuti. It's coming out through Cam. Carter Burwell's back, does the music to Drive Away Dolls. That's coming out through Backlot Music. Hey, we have more Andrea Fari here. I should have combined them together. Does the music to Io Capitano. That's coming out through Sony Music Publishing. Continuing on the Italian frontier, Generva Nervi's score from Margherita del Stelle is coming out through Rai Com. The TV series La Tribu is scored by Mate Bratescott. That's coming out through the letter B, the word original. And then if you have been watching this on HBO or whatever other service you have to watch True Detective, the latest season is called Night Country. Features the score work of Vince Pope and some songs sung by Tanya Tagak. That's out through Water Tower Music. On the release front, we'll talk about one re-release. It's on compact disc. It is The Black Mass. It's by Fernando Perdomo. That's coming out through Cleopatra. Those are merely some of your anticipated soundtrack releases for this week. So yes, indeed, as Bill McBurney indicates here, and slowly fades out, over 210 of you said yes to CITR's Power Fun Drive 2024. So thank you. Your vows have been made. We'll listen to some more songs that tie into the idea of yes. We'll go to one of the classics of Northern Soul, and that's Velma Perkins. She was the sister of a guitarist, songwriter, and producer Al Perkins. 
And uh, she only put out one single to her name through the Twinite label. And the Numero Group put out an excellent 2007 compilation association of that label. Off of Eccentric Soul, Twinite's Lunar Rotation. This is a B-side to a single she put out. Here's Velma Perkins with Yes, My Goodness. Yes. the New Testament. I think the New Testament. The question is, Pilate, remember Pilate from the New Testament? What's Pilate? He fiddled while... Yeah, no, well, just a minute. Let me ask the question, then you can give me the answer, okay? Did Pilate want Jesus to be crucified? Uh, uh, Pontius Pilate washed his hands of it. So did he want him to be crucified? Yeah. No. 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 Well, tune in every Friday afternoon, 3.30 to the Night Watch Show on Sydney. Well, find a good church. It'll help you. Hush, <laughs> 
Johnny Miller, the bass player. And this is Oscar Moore, the guitar player. And this is Nat King Cole. The three of us are going to bring you a few special V-dips, and we hope that you will enjoy them, cats. <laughs> Knock me a kiss, you'll never miss when I'm ready to go. But if you can't smile and say yes, please don't cry and say no. Squeeze me a squoze in these fine clothes. Mmm, I love you so. But if you can't smile and say yes, Please don't cry and say no When I ask for a date, the answer is no You don't know what you're saying Don't you know the war is on, everything is rationed How about that jive, keep me alive Baby, let bygones be bygones Cause men are scarce as nylon and if you can't smile and say yes, please don't cry and say no. Going back to 1945, that was the King Cole Trio. That King Cole helpfully introduced us to the guitarist and the bassist already, Oscar Moore and Johnny Miller. That was If You Can't Smile and Say Yes. You may have heard that in the Ken Burns documentary, The War. And behind me is Anna Drubich, Marius DeVries, and Matt Robertson. From their score to the Oscar-winning documentary Navalny, this is Omsk, referring to a city that uh, Navalny was directed to when he was poisoned in 2020. Navalny was directed by Daniel Rohar from Toronto, story based on the Russian opposition leader Alexei Navalny, poisoned by a nerve agent at the time, and it won Best Documentary Feature last year at the Academy Awards. And yes, Alexei Navalny, Russian opposition leader for the past 15 years, fought against corruption and Vladimir Putin, ended up jailed as a political prisoner, very north of Omsk, in the Yamalia 
Oblast. And it was reported on February 16th this year that uh, he had died in the prison camp at the age of 47. Plenty of questions arise since um, it's been confirmed by some people, but not by family. The body is not available for presentation. And this always just ties into a bit of what's happening in Russia right now. Of course, it's extending into places like Ukraine. And we learn more about Putin and a compound he's built just east of Finland around Lake Dogoda, taking over a province or a national park's waterfall. All the seclusion there. Matt Robertson is a Toronto composer. Mayor Stevrise works a lot with electronics as a producer. And then Anna Drubic is a Russian performer. A few weeks ago, I listed what the nominees for the best documentary feature and shorts were. I won't recap that again just for the sake of time, but do take a look at the list. I know that various places are screening some of these documentaries. Hopefully you get a chance to see them in the animated shorts, too. But over to Montreal next with a side project from Tops as Jane Penny puts out a solo debut EP later this year. Coming out in April, it is called Surfacing. And she recorded it both Berlin and Montreal as she and her then-partner were recuperating from long COVID. And it continues on with that uh, vibe we associate with Tops, kind of like AM gold, a little bit of modern yacht. So here's the first single off of Surfacing. Here's Jane Penny with Messages.
Mark your calendar for February 29th, 2024, because the Study and Go Abroad Fair is coming to Vancouver at the Vancouver Convention Center. Don't miss this free opportunity to start planning your next step in education at the undergraduate or postgraduate level, or to travel abroad. Meet with top universities, graduate schools, and professional schools from Canada and around the world to learn about the university and college programs on offer, scholarships, as well as travel, work, and volunteer opportunities worldwide. To learn more or to register for free, please visit studyandgoabroad.com and join us February 29th at the Vancouver Convention Center. Almost nailed the double record scratch there in time, but 
we're at the maximum wingspan where we try to do that. But from their debut album, 2023's Coast to Coast, that was Los Angeles's Pearl in the Oysters with Loading Screen. Pearl and the Oysters, the duo of Juliet Pearl Davis and Joaquin Pollack. Bright vaporwave pop there, and one song in that album includes a guest appearance by Letitia Sadier of Stereolab. She's in Vancouver next month on my birthday. As that date gets closer, we'll talk more about that show and less about my birthday. Pearl and the Oysters are touring North America this spring, but only getting as close as Seattle's Belltown Bloom Festival on May 5th. Only Canadian date is in Montreal on May 14th. And in the background is the jazz fusion group The Crusaders, although later known for their commercial songs like Street Life. And uh, this is the DJ Jedi mix of Listen, and you'll see. This is found on the 2013 kind of self-release album Blowout Breaks. Since DJ Jedi was a DJ for the hip-hop act Digable Planets, Digable Planets during their 1990s heyday. And this mix features all 70-plus samples that were used on their 1994 album Blowout Comb. Digable Planets at this point... One member, Butterfly, is now part of Shabazz Palaces. Let's get some Lana Del Rey into our ears. Maybe you saw her pop up at the Super Bowl last week, getting crushed by some of Taylor Swift's fans or entourage. She's got another new album due later this year, Tied to Country, since uh, Beyonce and Post Malone are part of this wave, too. But we have to circle back to her most recent album, 2023's Did You Know There's a Tunnel Under Ocean Boulevard? And this is the song that has been highlighted as one of the best and uh, appropriate for the various travel days I have. It's nice to actually carve out some time for a seven-minute song here. This refers to a franchise fast food we associate throughout Canada, but mostly in the western states, although the letter's to denote something else that's referred to in the lyrics here. Here's Lana Del Rey with A and W. This is the experience of an American war. 
Broadcasting from Munsee and Musqueam Territory from the West Point Gray Campus of the University of British Columbia. This is CITR 11.9 FM in Vancouver. Telesoptic Channel 7023. Streaming live at www.citr.ca. The name of the show is Exploding Hey Movies. It is also available as a podcast. My name is Gak. We heard Lana Del Rey there with A&W off of Did You Know There's a Tunnel Under Ocean Boulevard? Then from Winnipeg, we heard Alamode off of the 2023 EP Diversions. We heard Collection. I'll try to recap my visit to Winnipeg in an upcoming episode. Some quality times with some CITR folks, both current and former. But yeah, I'll have to save that for a time where I can process things and actually have things to line up with what we're going to do, talk about, but... For now, at least we will get into Oscar season shortly enough properly. But behind me, from the 2000 album Thai Elephant Orchestra, this is David Soldier, Richard Lair, and the Thai Elephant Orchestra with temple music. Every instrument you're hearing right now is being played by an elephant, unprompted, just playing for the sake of playing music. David Soldier, we mentioned briefly during our tribute to Phil Nyblock. He's a neuroscientist and musician, as his proper name, David Soldier. He's a professor at the Columbia University Medical Center in Psychiatry, Neurology, and Pharmacology, but 
under the alias of Dave Soldier. He dabbles in avant-garde, classical, and jazz. He played with Bo Diddley in the 80s and has a punk string quartet amongst his various projects. He's collaborated with folks like Pete Seeger, David Byrne, and Guided by Voices. But he's traveled to Thailand a few times to work at a conservatory along with the conservationist Richard Lair. They've put out three albums with the Thai Elephants. I do want to do a proper episode at some point featuring non-human music. So, maybe it involves robots and AI, but I think that's going to be something that's going to be a can of worms. So I want to hear the worms more than anything else. So yeah, at some point, we'll have the Exploding Head Movies Barnyard Edition at some point. It's at the Montreal with Laura. She will be putting out a debut album later this year in 2024 called Quarter Life Crisis. And this song is one of the preview singles in advance of that. Here's Laurel, L-A-R-A-W, with Stand By Baby.
Are you a writer? Listener? Dreamer? Music nerd? Want to cover artists? Visit venues? Write something? Events? Personal essays? Anything? Submit to Discorder Magazine and then take it a step further on Hail Discordia with your hosts, Zoe and Izzy. Hail Discordia is an audio translation of Discorder Magazine. We interview writers, play music and soundscapes, and do a deep dive of each zine issue. Hail Discordia plays at 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on the third Thursday of every month on CITR 101.9 FM. Submit something for the magazine and come onto the show, or just tune in and listen. We promise it's worth it.
Louise Burns off of 2023's Element. We heard kids. Solid 80s pop vibes there. And uh, she was a guest on Exploding Head Movies back when we had those. With a full band, too. Find Exploding Head Movies episode 360 from May 2017. Another show where I'm jet lagged beyond belief, although in that case, I had an excuse because that was Spain. It wasn't Thunder Bay. In the background, this is John Williams from his Oscar-nominated score to Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. This is Germany, 1944. For the rest of this episode, we'll be listening to a whole bunch of cues from the Indiana Jones film series, although we're going in reverse chronicle order. Chronological order. Just because we need to get the Oscar profile out of the way first. And it didn't make sense to hop around. But narratively speaking, most things are self-contained. The Dial of Destiny is directed by James Mangold. So this is the first Indiana Jones to not have Steven Spielberg direct. At some point, he was attached, but he moved up into the executive producer function. And this is also the first Indiana Jones with Noro George Lucas to help on the story either. This was written by James Mangold along with David Cope and Jez and John Henry Butterworth. Harrison Ford returns as Dr. Henry Jones. He's also joined by John Reese davies and Karen Allen. As Indiana Jones is now teaching in New York in the 1960s, his marriage to Marion from the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull had fallen apart after the death of their son Mutt in Vietnam. We'll talk about those later, but there's a reason that the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull has a little bit of a reset involved. Indiana Jones is basically coasting into retirement, but his estranged goddaughter visits. She's played by Phoebe Waller-Bridge, and she's searching for Archimedes' dial, which Jones and her father retrieved from the Nazis in World War II, around the time of Germany 1944. But the Nazis are back. They're looking for it again in the shadow of the Apollo moon missions, and possibly using the dial for its weird powers. If you're curious about Archimedes' dials, it's a riff on a device that was found in the ocean in 1901 called the Antikythera Mechanism, an early analog computer. From what scientists have determined are used for predicting astronomical positions, eclipses, the four-year Olympic game cycle, and other things involving time. I won't get too much into the plot around it, but uh, for John Williams, his Oscar nomination for The Dial of Destiny marks his 54th. I'll talk about why that is almost a record, but let's talk about the one that he has. He's won five Oscars in total. I'll quickly recap those because we've profiled John Williams a lot throughout the history of this show over the 16 years. It's so hard to try to summarize it, but... The five Oscars that John Williams has won in 1973 for Fiddler on the Roof in the adaptation of original song score category of the time. We profiled in Exploding Head Movies 629 from December 2022 during Hanukkah. Jaws. I still need to profile that one summer, but he won it in 1976. Star Wars in 1978, which we've profiled a lot because he's been nominated a lot through the recent films for it. But if you want the original... Exploding Head Movies, episode 290 from December 2015. 
and then littered throughout the entire history for sequels. Not so much the prequels. That's one deficiency I'll note. Also one in 1983 for E.T. the Extraterrestrial, and then 1995 for Schindler's List, which we profiled in episode 480. There's a lot of round numbers here I wasn't expecting, but yeah, 480 from November 2019 as part of Remembrance Day. Most recent nominations for John Williams are The Fablemans, which we did in episode 637 from last February, and then the three most recent Star Wars films, Force Awakens, Last Jedi, Rise of Skywalker. Fade that out because I want to talk about that track a little bit more here. But many of the old themes that we associate with Anna Jonas pop up, but a new one appears for Indy's goddaughter Helena, as played by Waller Bridge. And she acts as a bit more like a femme fatale in a way, but she's an adventurer on her own, almost like a Lauren Bacall type character, sort of evoke the idea of noir films. And Williams wrote a theme for her. Originally, Mangold thought it was just too romantic and he wanted it grittier just to indicate that, you know, she was her own kind of mercenary thief in many ways, not trying to retrieve relics to put in museums, but she was basically looking for money. And the theme did still appear in a romantic way. And uh, this version features Anne-Sophie Mutter on violin and it won a Grammy a few weeks ago for Best Instrumental Composition. If you're curious, John Williams' score for Dial Destiny was also nominated for Best Score Scout Track for Visual Media. But another score we're about to profile in the coming weeks won. So we'll avoid spoilers about what that is. So, from his Oscar-nominated score to Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, he's joined here with a violin with Anne-Sophia Motor For violin and orchestra, this will be Helena's theme here on Exploding Hit Movies.
From his Oscar-nominated score to Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. We heard John Williams first off with Anne-Sophie Mutter on violin with Helena's theme. Then we heard elements of that theme in Two Athens. And we closed with Battle of Syracuse. And behind me, this is New York 1969. As noted, this marks John Williams' 54th nomination, the most for one individual who's still living and still capable of getting nominations. If you're curious, Walt Disney, the human, received 59 in total. And for the Dial of Destiny, this is the only Oscar nomination this year. Many folks thought that John Williams would retire after working on this film. At this point, he said, never say never. I mean, he's 92 years old now. He said if the right film comes up, he'll definitely work on that. Of course, a lot of folks also thought that the film series would continue or their prequel TV series. Since it seems like the de-aging technology could get Harrison Ford running around even though he's in his 80s. But the film bombed at this point. The current thinking around Disney and Lucasfilm is that, yes, this is the end of the franchise. We profiled Raiders of the Lost Ark back in Exploding Head Movies episode 236 from October 2014 with the hope of then tackling all the sequel films. That hope has now arrived since we're going to work things in backwards order, which means we have to look at Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, which came out in 2008, directed by Steven Spielberg, who's collaborated with John Williams all this time. So one thing you always keep an eye out for is if Spielberg's working on something new, maybe John Williams will work on it. Most recent release for Steven Spielberg is the Tom Hanks co-production that continues on with the stories of World War II, and this is Masters of the Air. But Spielberg is working on a reboot of Bullet. Currently does not have a title yet. He's also working on the miniseries about Napoleon, directing one episode, and he has something called the Thursday Murder Club in development. But yes, The Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, written by David Cope, who also worked on The Dial of Destiny, moves all the action to the 1950s as communists and aliens are part of what's going on as Indiana Jones is thrust into action, hopping from Area 51 to the Amazon rainforest to prevent Russians from getting their hands on some psychic-looking object, which may have an extraterrestrial origin. Throughout the soundtrack, there are elements of early rock and roll and then B-movies from the 50s amidst the usual motifs, including a haunting one for the skulls themselves. From Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, this will be Grave Robbers. It's always hard to cut it off when you actually hear the Raiders march, but don't worry, you'll get to hear it in full soon.
For your oral listening pleasure, please join me, Marguerite, Sundays at 9 a.m. for Classical Chaos, classical music from around the world, right here on CITR 101.9 FM, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. We'll see you then.
John Williams from Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, the third film that came out in 1989 as part of the Indiana Jones series. We heard Scherzo from Motorcycle and Orchestra. And in the background, the penitent man will pass. Last Crusade, perhaps the second best film in the series. It's a more mature and thankfully light and breezy film. Including the music as it kicks off with the young Indiana Jones, played by the late River Phoenix. And as he picks up the adventure bug in Utah, as his distant professorial dad dabbles in his lifelong pursuit of the location of the Holy Grail. Sean Connery is Indiana Jones' dad, Dr. Henry Jones. And this pairing was super successful. Of course... Using Holy Grail in the title may just allude to Monty Python and other films, so Last Crusade kind of works, although Crusade also has its connotations of colonialism. This was the final film to use practical stunts since, yeah, this was the 80s. Um, at this point, yeah, CGI was not really full effect. But of course, part of the Indiana Jones charm riffing on the serials of the 30s and 40s was you actually saw people doing what they could Harrison Ford notoriously broke various parts of his body, sacrificing himself for the shot. Petra in Jordan was famously used as the resting location of the Grail. It's become a huge tourist draw to the point my mom even went without realizing it. Last Crusade won one Oscar in 1990. It was Best Sound Effects Editing. Johns Williams was nominated, but he lost to The Little Mermaid. We'll then hop over to the prequel, its own kind of controversial film, and that's 1984's Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, directed by Steven Spielberg with Harrison Ford, including Kate Capshaw in a very shrill role, although Spielberg and Lucas were both going through rough divorces on their own, and uh, Spielberg ended up marrying Kate Capshaw after meeting her on Temple of Doom. Featuring one of Indiana's early adventures, leading from Shanghai gangsters to Punjabi villages, as children are abducted to work in mines and sacred stones from various villages are stolen to fuel an evil power. This time around, Indy is a little bit more missionary, not as academic. The humor was more slapstick, but wow, it is one gory film. I think it stands up now only because we're all adults. But one key person in the film is Kei Hui Kwan. As a kid. During the 80s, Quan was a child actor appearing in films like this and The Goonies. And he took an acting hiatus after being typecast. But he came back in 2021 for Finding Ohana. And then he won an Oscar for Best Actor in Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Which we talked about last year when it won all the awards. Kehui Quan met up with John Williams again as parts of the ceremonies, and Williams whistled this theme to him after they met up. So, still memorable from Indiana Jones and the Temple of Dune. Here's John Williams with Short Rounds Theme.
from Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. We heard Short Rounds theme, and then the payoff for a lot of themes, the Slave Children's Crusade, indicating that a whole bunch of mining has stopped. Of course, it'd be nice to have dug up to themes associated with the mine carts and whatnot, but you can kind of picture in your head. Of course, there's a little bit of the Orientalism that would have been considered at the time that, you know, a white person taking Chinese and Indian instrumentation and themes and riffing on them. But I think with context, at least, showed that Williams was uh, at least embracing it and making sure that they're applicable, but still sounding like Williams. You know, you could definitely hear kind of Star Wars in effect there. Temple of Dune won one Oscar in 1985, and that was Best Visual Effects. John Williams was nominated again, but lost to a movie that probably did better service to Indian culture, especially the cuisine. Maurice Jarre's score to A Passage to India. As noted, the five films as part of the Indiana Jones series will be it. If you're curious, there was a 1992 TV series called The Young Indiana Jones Chronicles that lasted two seasons. Various video games and other sort of pop culture, comic books, uh, role-playing games and whatnot. So Indiana Jones will still be part of it, but Harrison Ford is ready to put the hats down, the leather jacket away, and put the bullwhip into storage. That's going to be it for Exploding in Movies for this week. Coming up very shortly, you'll get to hear music like this and a whole lot more. It's The Jazz Show with Gavin Walker. And he'll guide you to around midnight, so stay tuned to CITR for the rest of your family day evening. Next week, it'll be part five of our 96th Academy Awards profiles, and we're looking back at two scores we've profiled already over the next two weeks. Probably be Killers of the Flower Moon by the late Robbie Robertson. And then the final score, which would be Ludwig Gonensen's music from Oppenheimer, which does have the recent Grammy news. Then on Sunday, March 10th, the awards will be handed out. So after all the nominated profiles, your host has to quickly turn things around in about 24 hours, because on March 11th, we got to talk about the winners. We'll just loop that again. Behind me, it's the Oscar Peterson Trio going back to 1947. Back home again in Indiana. Since we alluded to it, it's apt that we have to close with the famous music from Indiana Jones, and it will be Raiders March. The film came out in 1981, basically revolutionized film for both being action, adventure, and fun, even though, again, it harkened back to the short films that preceded other films in the 30s and 40s. Raiders of the Lost Ark won four Oscars in 1982. Best Art Direction, Best Sound, Best Film Editing, and Best Visual Effects. To the point, a Special Achievement Award was given for Sound Effects Editing as well. John Williams was nominated, but lost to Vangelis' score to Chariots of Fire. This will be the Crystal Skull version of Raiders March. You have been listening to Exploding Movies here on CITR 101.9 FM in Vancouver. Keep calm, be kind, stay safe, be nice to others, because who knows what they're going through. And thanks again to everyone who donated to Fun Drive 2024. Have a happy family day if you do celebrate it.